This is a post-Christian podcast. We are the Sacred Collective. All are respected, all are heard, all are welcomed. Join us. So, you know, the two things we've talked about, language and uh, consciousness and what mm-hmm. it is, I, I kind of mentioned it. You know, it'd be, it'd be silly to imagine that that whole web, all of it, of cause and effect all just stops with us. Sure. That it creates awareness from our point. Yeah. A few layers down and that's it. And there's no other, you know, we spend all day sending signals to each other. We learn visual cues so that our eyes can tell us things about the emotions. Yeah. Might be feeling we, we listen Uh for differences in the pitch of the encoded message to add that Mm -hmm. once to it. We talk to each other. Correct. In your 20 questions game, I'm sure that the inflection of my yes or no or my hesitancy also uh, factored in so that so when, you know, programming that into a computer, it would it would have less information because you can tell like how long I pause or like how quickly I answer, you know, the, the tone of my voice. When I'm like, yes, yeah. definite. Yes. You can tell more nuanced uh, answers oh, than, yeah. than yeah. just a binary. Was- yes or no skills that if you pay attention to probably help you play a better game of poker i would imagine right yep absolutely Mm -hmm. i kind of played a game uh actually it's a game i play all the time i think i understand this concept and now i'm going to roll with it and see if it maps to this other analogy okay so let's pretend we're we're going to write a a sci-fi book okay where people go to a planet that you know they find these aliens there with cities and stuff and they go and are talking to them and their ambassadors meet first contact but then you know they slowly learn that oh all these people are just robots and there's a super mm-hmm. greater consciousness kind of controlling all of them as as its constituent cells right yeah and let's see how far we can get team working a little uh journey you're really good at uh at improv comedy mm-hmm. and in particular better than most people at creating the illusion of an existing sub story without oh, actually yeah. Like, yeah yeah i can tell you get that premise of in- improv comedy that it's not even just about the joke it's about the entire story you tell without telling it right right right, right. And you can spend time filling in those details and articulating it as you riff off of the joke back and forth, right? But yeah. if you're doing it in like style, you can kind of collaboratively fill in all the little details of building a world, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Like Nick and I do it at the bar all the time. Like we just Yeah, exactly. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's let's say we're doing that under the premise that individual uh, things that look like, you know, Close enough to us that we can talk to him in this book about aliens, right? Okay. Uh Uh, But we need to describe at some point, like either the scientists figure it out or it reveals itself through narrative. We need to explain like how this consciousness came into being, right? Uh So we need to think of its evolution. Uh, Of the the robots? Yeah, or just how the yeah the whole how the whole hive mind uh, a hyper mind, if you will. You know, in math, uh, when you bump something up a dimension, like from mm-hmm. a three D sphere to a four D sphere, you you mm-hmm. just add hyper onto the uh, the beginning of it. <laughs> yeah. So a dimensional sphere, hypersphere, four dimensional mm-hmm. cube, hypercube, hyper-cube. right? So let's just call this for the purposes of our sci fi book the the hyper mind. Okay. Okay. That way we don't have to keep saying. 
the collective consciousness of all these individual mm-hmm. aliens that is coming. Okay. You know, we're just going to say hype and not have to unpackage it. We've made our sure. own label for it. We have a sh- uh, shorthand. Yep, we've we've agreed on a code for it. Yes. Uh, so so they would have to have a pre-industrial time, maybe even mm-hmm. uh, you know like a like a more primitive. I would say caveman, but we'll keep it aliens. So it's like they're Mm -hmm. lizards, right? And then they got more intelligent and they started learning to use tools. Mm -hmm. And then what I figured would happen was that eventually they would be squawking and clicking at each other like birds or creatures or whatever do with their own sounds. But they're really articulate. Well, well, this is probably uh, not... Uh, conducive to this exercise, but I was going to say that's presuming that the five senses are absolute and that 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 aliens would oh, yeah, evolve yeah. to hear. But anyway, so yeah, presuming that they can hear. There's there's way more than five senses anyway. Sure, sure, sure. The rest are so obscure that they just don't paint a picture. You have mm-hmm. a sense of balance. That's not you 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 can't. Yeah, you can just, you can talk about balance in terms of your other senses. You know, it's it is its own. Uh huh. Something grew up in zero G. The the, the sense the uh, balance sense wouldn't even make any sense to them. They, right? It wouldn't even it wouldn't concept that related. Uh-huh. Or if they didn't have uh, uh, enough air, you know, for sound waves to travel and be recognizable, then you know, wouldn't have any use. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They might might be audio. Uh, yeah, might be all deaf. But anyway, so yeah, so for the sake of the of the yeah, in the story, you, yeah, for the to write the book, we're gonna have to have our space our astronauts. Humanoid ish, yeah, it's uh, earth like enough. There's okay. like a Star Trek, got it. Got uh, it. Okay. I don't care how realistic it is, it's sure, a sci fi sure. book got in it. that kind of world. We have these primitive lizard creatures, and they, they're you know, over a th- thousands of years, they learn to form tools and they're living in these little bands and stuff. And eventually, their their different clickings articulate enough that uh-huh. there's one particular click that they use. For for all of them, for or all they, you know, the one tribe all starts just calling this one tool that one thing. Mm-hmm. Now they don't have to gesture and click to it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Now they mm-hmm. kind of intuitively understand mm-hmm. that that's what that means. Somebody says it, and they know it's sitting behind them. They can just grab it because now that object yes. has able. The word is or the sound, maybe or, or word or whatever it is, is pointing to. An object that that everyone's familiar with. It's pointing to where that object is stored in your in your mind, yeah, neurons or however their the, biology yeah, works. The you know, abstract metaphysical some... concept. Let's, let's say let's say that that first word is water. You know, yeah. So then it's pointing to the idea, the abstract idea of water. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then what if what if one of the aliens when they first learned this the click for water, uh it's really cold water. So then in their mind, um hot water would yeah. have to be something a completely different thing or you know, uh rain, you know, might might be different from I may I'm getting off on a different tangent. But anyhow, yeah, so even but but think about the in between that those two events mm-hmm. they they learn you know they 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 start they start associating a specific pattern of their noises with mm-hmm. a specific object and maybe they do that with a few of them 
And maybe they're clever enough that they can kind of have a rudimentary bartering system with their neighboring tribes where they kind of, you know, exchange beads and trinkets for for stuff, right? Uh And now this other tribe hears that whenever they talk about their pokey stick or their whatever they have, Uh that that tribe sees that they are using – that tribe starts to associate them, the two things, just by watching how they're connected. Yep. And then they start like that, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so it kind of invisibly at yep. a much bigger time scale, this word is perpetuating through the different interconnected tribes right. as as like an its own kind of idea, right? And it's being analyzed from every single angle right. by each of the people, lizard creatures, mm-hmm. you know. Uh and so maybe it's possible that even if these things are conscious along with the hyper mind that they create uh-huh. even if that's possible in the sci-fi story i feel like the the hyper mind still would have come about first and then it sent more follow-up instructions back down the ladder like when you move your arm and it mm. moves the collective mind power right. of these lizards to go hey this labeling thing subconsciously seems like it might be useful because mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty easy to imagine. You know, you could talk in the book about like, oh, the the invisible network that all these words bouncing around between all the people eventually, you know, and there's the aspect of how you learn your first language kind of intuitively, but then learning your second one is this whole process of translating it. Yeah, if if you, especially if it's later in life, then yeah. Yeah. So, so at some point there would have been these lizards that didn't have an internal monologue because mm-hmm. they just had an internalized these words mm-hmm. if anything more than just a very specific click mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but at some point the the tribes would have started or the hypermind mm-hmm. would have enough of these words circulating around that as the newer generations grew up yep. or as new cells were added to the structure those took on the role of just growing up with that new technology yep. and they just understand and there would be some threshold where the first, the first mm. creep, the first generation that internalizes these words enough that they understand it as language and can actually use it uh-huh. to process their own thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Kind of like the baby being born with the te- technology, you know? Yeah, exactly. The tools exactly are already like there. Yep. You're right there with me. I would have lost any, most anyone I know. <laughs> halfway along this journey by oh, now. Really? Uh, <laughs> wait, hold on. The what now? <laughs> now, uh, I'm glad you're right there with me. Yeah, but then gonna... play a game. So then, you know, years go by and from the from the cre- aliens' point of view, they're just going about their daily lives. But from uh-huh. the creature's point of view, at this point, like, it's a whole hyper-organism with its own mm-hmm. specialized mm-hmm. organs network stuff how would those translate into the day-to-day lives of the alien species though like what kind of biological functions that you can identify in stuff we've seen mm-hmm. that this alien global collective would make up uh yeah so probably um uh obviously just meeting the basic needs either uh probably through uh maybe delegation of different roles um, yeah. you know, and then like you said, yeah. the trade and some sort of economy emerging out of that. Right. Um, oh, yeah, seems pretty reasonable. Yeah. Um, 
maybe uh, as as they grow, needing to find more space. So maybe having to go, sending out um, some of the units of the tribe to go explore, you know, or to uh, yeah. colonize. Um, warring. Oh yeah, almost like almost like specialized sensory organs. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Go go, go map this out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking yeah, basic needs and stuff like that. Are you thinking of something specific that I haven't hit yet? No, because I was just playing the game of like what kind of examples mm-hmm. I can come up with, mm-hmm. and you come up with the same kind of things. You know, uh, it doesn't matter if a cell is controlling how a human thinks about math mm. or controlling how a guinea pig's sphincter has to open and close to allow its waste to process out right they all all those cells uh, yes. still need to get fed yes, yes, yes. and they still need some sort of communication network to receive their instructions uh-huh. or pass them along uh-huh. that's all pretty analogous to to that totally yeah uh, mm-hmm. the one sticking point that i can't quite think of when when or, or i couldn't but i think i have an idea and let's see if what you come up with see if there's either another idea or if you come up with the same one okay is what well actually i guess there are two two versions of the same question maybe okay is uh what how how would this what would it like to be this hive mind how would it experience the world mm. and the hive mind as as an as a uh individual consciousness as a singular yes okay. yeah as like a higher tier of yeah. the decision-making process yeah. that we were talking about in consciousness uh, yeah uh but there's a really abstract thing that that got me held up for a little bit okay and that's that if this whole train of thought started from me imagining that i don't need to know the math of the building blocks of the world i just need to know that at any smallest period of time we can think about you're only getting inputs from the spaces immediately around it. Right. But we're complicated enough that we can actively take our memories and, and go through and think about the different things in our memories uh-huh. while we're ex- taking those inputs. Like it's the, our, our past history is as important, mm-hmm. but it's being in that instant. Mm-hmm. It's, it represents more information than exists in this hypothetically smallest space of information mm-hmm. that we can imagine. How does that work? Well, uh, let's look up how the human brain works, and it's usually stored in chemicals. Mm-hmm. Uh, the information our brain's passing around is like passing electrons all over the place, right. and that's a big part of the pattern that our mind makes. Mm-hmm. These these chemicals have got to serve as like I, I you know I didn't research it enough to much what I'm talking about but it's pretty conceivable that somehow this encoding the information into a physical structure yeah. that can be unpacked to reference you're not you're, you're you're not like inputting stuff from the past you're inputting an archived emblem of that impression that that past left. That physical emblem is the is the code instead of the inputs. That is one of your inputs is that chemical. Okay. Right. Uh-huh. Oh, so that works. Now we just have to figure out a physical reason that this hyperconsciousness could, you know, contain a memory. And that's obviously just writing and 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 
written language, mm-hmm. right? And using a series of visual symbols to yeah. build these codes, you know, then that would be, and then its constituent cells all pass, you know, these codes around and they all extract the, and it's easier to convey a precise message mm-hmm. in text because you can, you can, you can read it at the pace that your mind uncodes it. If somebody's talking and they're using words that you don't fully Package because there's something you don't think about. Mm. It's easy for them to blow right by you, and you're just lost and don't understand anything. Then from then on, in the way that they're telling you, mm. if you're reading it and you don't understand the words, then you slow down. That's the effect it has. Mm. You don't just keep reading right past it. You, yeah, you take the time mm. to code it properly. So that would. Be, so in our book, that's obviously their their written language is you know the the kind of memory the, yeah, these the mechanism around. for memory. Yeah. Uh huh. And also, if it is just the next step up this chain of compressing opinions and averaging of things out, uh-huh. then we are aware of the next levels down from us, uh-huh. right? Yeah. You think, oh, but we're all self-contained. They're all shooting the same electrons. Yeah, but they're packaging it into 19 different chemical blocks and farting molecules <laughs> a meat sponge that the way they fit into the puzzle pieces of the meat sponge makes how you think like that's equally as weird in my mind. Right. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. So we have this, we have this race of lizard creatures. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Didn't you say earlier that you think the hypermind would have had to have come first? Uh, I mean, presumably because the words would get passed around between a bunch of things that didn't fully appreciate how powerful they were and right if anything if if this next tier of consciousness existed which we're writing a sci-fi uh-huh. book so we wouldn't be if it uh we have to come up with a reason for it to exist and uh and, and words being passed around is like the most obvious you know it ties in with the thing and and it would make sense that this thing would process and understand these words before the the individual like the human level lizard creatures were actually even aware of them, you know, to them it's just they see the image and they think stick and they, right, uh, and maybe even it's 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 easy to imagine that they start teaching each other these words in like a really baby esque way without uh-huh. even babies can before they're really forming any permanent mm-hmm. memories, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's easy to imagine that there's some little kid lizard sitting on a rock watching its parent teach a tribe lizard from another tribe, like how to farm going stick ground, ground, stick, poke, mm-hmm. poke, stick, ground, mm-hmm. pull, pull seed, yeah. pull seed, ground, mm-hmm. right? And it happens enough that eventually something, something clicks and they mm-hmm. get it. But the overall thing has been passing these words around between million, you know, how well, maybe not millions in like a pre-industrial lizard society, but they're lizards, maybe. I don't who knows. Either way, there's way more constituent parts passing this word around than you spend time on or the lizard spends time on or anyone yeah. does. So I kind of that fits enough that I'm prepared to move on, you know, with this with the story okay. of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Unless you disagree. If you see something that you I think, kinda I uh maybe we're Maybe we're approaching the idea of the conception, or when I say conception, I mean like uh, analogous with like um, a, a child being conceived. The conception of the of the hypermind, because it, it it seems to me like the hypermind would be an incidental uh, result of the the moving. I parts. know, wouldn't it? Because in the example of like the ant colony. Mm-hmm. 
being conscious that we talked about the last time we yeah. did a podcast. Hey, sure, maybe an ant colony is conscious. Right. I don't know. There are a bunch of parts all sending signals between uh-huh. each other. And that is really going to hurt the reliability in our book if anyone notices that. So we need a way to explain <laughs> that. Right. So, um, so if, if the hypermind did, did come first and is a singular consciousness in as much as we have agreed, agreed to define um, those sort of ideas, it's, it's, it's a consciousness, let's say. I was talking earlier about the concept of being deceived by your body when it takes action before it reaches your level of that mm-hmm. decision tree. Okay. So then in this, this would just be like uh, the next step of that decision tree, uh-huh. right? And maybe even that hyper mind, it, when the population gets big enough, maybe it gets big enough that it has to develop its own specialized systems, right? Now it's not all just the same kind mm-hmm. of cell mashing together mm-hmm. and pushing it out. Now it has whole special. There's like a sub hyper, yeah, you know, the next right. step up the tier, like controlling the doctors or not even, maybe not controlling is the but but the next you know it's prized of the doctors and then that adds- but then you know it's being conceived after the hypermind so wouldn't logically then the hypermind be conceived chronologically speaking yeah. after the the moving parts were already there yeah but just it's not decided it's not calling into existence the moving parts you know yeah but there's you know probably a million years between these lizard things walking around and mm-hmm. and they start doing the association of labels to even begin the process, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I think we're in consensus. I think we're maybe just expressing it differently. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, in either way, whichever, you know, however it works out. You it's kind of arbitrary, yeah. too, you know, ch- it's chicken or the egg. Yeah, it would just depend on how you want to tell the story, really, I think. Sure, sure. Uh, but one thing that I can think of is, you know, the Rosetta Stone, you have to have some kind of context that you share between each other yeah totally uh, if the whole thing is based on words and we mm-hmm. use it and the hypermind use well we're not they wouldn't speak english obviously they'd be clicks and whatever but the aliens use this language and the hypermind uses the same language uh-huh. you know we could we could easily write a description wherein this allows some kind of back and forth between them where they can act yeah as right and outputs to each other mm, form, yeah and form a loop Yep. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If you look at the world like a big program, loops are a big part of structures that come up. Uh, yeah. We, if we want to understand ourselves, uh, something I do when I ponder the mysteries of consciousness and stuff, I think about uh-huh. come up with an idea, taking a bunch of outside observations, see if they jive with my idea, if mm-hmm. they make more questions or I can't explain them or don't understand them. Then I have mm. to rethink my idea, and it's really just the scientific process or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Taking in all these outside sources. Yeah, um, it's trial and error, really. Yeah, and so think about the world as a computer. You can easily see the benefits of like two things making a kind of loop between themselves like that. Sure. Actually, uh, another mathematician that I've been really inspired by in my research in computers is the one of the fathers of computers, Alan Alan Turing. And he has a really, you know, he has the Turing test. Oh, Turing know. test. Yeah, yeah. You know what the Turing test is? Uh-huh. Artificial intelligence can pass as organic intelligence. Yep. It's, it's basically the idea that a knowledgeable interrogator, if, if they can't tell whether they're communicating with the, with an actual person, right. 
or machine imitating, then then that machine is said to pass the Turing test. Right. There, it gets to the it gets to the point where we can't tell if it actually experiences consciousness, but from our interpretation, it doesn't matter. Right. Well, you know, you get enough trial and error. That's got to happen somewhere, right? Yeah. And a Turing test is supposed to be a test of the highest level of computation that. Right. Uh, but it's a very subjective test, which is yeah. kind of funny too. Exactly. Yeah. And our DNA is basically a computer code, you know. Well, yeah, a computer is emulating our organic mind, you know. Yeah, and there's actually a little takeaway to some of Turing's ideas that I always found really optimistic is that he he had a, a you know there's like the definition of a Turing machine, and that's what you need to be able to do programs on to run a program in the abstract kind of definitional terms of computers. Okay. Have to mm. be able to have some sort of code to represent mm. your information. Right. Computers, we use circuits that are like, yeah, think of them as like gateways that are open or closed or on or off, light switches that are on sure. or off. And we yeah. use those and translate that to ones and zeros, which we can translate mm. to math, which we can do calculations on, and then translate that back into the language of the computer and have it do what we want. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's only with ones and zeros. Nature came up with G, A, T, and C, and mm-hmm. and those group up in blocks of three or whatever it is, and they right, right, and that instruction is performed by the cell that does the the copying of the DNA or does the reading to do see how the organism grows up. It builds the whole overall pattern, you know. Yep. And so, so you know, your cell, your cells meet the definition by Turing's things of uh, mm-hmm. being a computer. Now, there's no cell that's going to pass a Turing test. Right, right. But, but that's because we wouldn't know what when it spits out a bunch of RNA and proteins at us. We don't know what that means. That's that's way too far down that yeah hierarchy. Uh huh. Uh huh. But if yeah, you it would a bunch need its of, own test. Yeah, if you get a bunch of electromagnetism that makes your rods and cones wiggle a kind of way they convert that into something that you see. And now you just think like, Oh, this is what light looks like. Mm -hmm. And you're far enough up the ladder that you experience it one way, but that, that electricity is like processing the information. You can see it so you can think about it. So you can Mm -hmm. think about yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. So now something could, a program you could build one that makes text on a screen and then visually tricks you into you know because we're pro you know there's this back and forth kind of nature to it humans themselves are touring machines uh right. because we can take encoded information and perform an instruction on it and modify yeah. our instructions and you know redefine so mm-hmm. by by touring's definitions we are robots and I, I right. often took that to mean like, you know, uh, well, then how do we know that we're not just sufficiently advanced Turing machines that we pass the Turing test, right? That doesn't pass right. the Turing test, doesn't imply anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if two systems were connected with the same tool for using information, the same codes, mm-hmm. then they might not unpackage them the same way, but they'd right. still the same way they'd be uh, an accurate enough analogy that you could work with them back and forth mm. right mm. maybe if it sent mm. a message to the lizard people 
when they unpacked its message, it was the combination of words that they thought it was supposed to be, but they only yeah. have options of using the words that they know. Exactly. There's not a lot. Yeah. And yeah, so that's got me, I, I, but it's still easy to imagine that that whole process works in that way. Oh, totally. For sure. Yeah. And the, um, it's like, yeah, of course humans pass the Turing test because the Turing test, it's, it's reflexive, you know, like the, it's, it's, it's like, uh, a, a dictionary doesn't, um, make up the definition of the words, you know, it's, it's, it's cataloging them and, um, replicating the, the, the current language like a robot would be replicating a current yeah. human. And, and even if it, I guess that's part of why it doesn't matter which one actually did come first, because even if the hypermind was aware of the like, you know, maybe there's a connection that once you have a, a label for something that now you're aware of that thing, you understand that thing enough to shorthand it. Yeah, right. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So tracks, whichever one comes first doesn't really matter because they can still only send information back and forth that way with words. Right. So until both of them have a rich enough language it, and it might even almost be like the hypermind itself would have an infancy, right? Where it doesn't even realize that it's made yeah. individual things, you know? Sure. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yep. Th- that got me thinking. Let me uh, I, let me check and see if there's any books about hyperminds. I remember reading a book about the internet coming to life, and they explained how like packets of information being rerouted. Uh, well, I found one, uh, and it explains the entire process of this, like how this creature would, you know, say like there, I read a theory once that humans only become aware or like the first way that humans become aware of themselves is like the, the rhythmic regularity of the beating of their heart. It's like a, an internal okay. clock, like an internal timer, yeah. something that regularly just alternates between two things for mm-hmm. the, for you to kind of, now I have a reference. It can, a thing can happen during this time and a thing can happen during this time. So there's a difference between times and now i can differentiate patterns in time as well as patterns in space and now i can mm. label which one i'm talking you know and then it's just yeah yeah, yeah. so but the, the the book i found it talks about you know the 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 sun around the planet obviously if it's made up of creatures that need light and heat for warmth it, whether or not it sees it mm. it would still somehow be aware that like this is a this is a good thing. You know how it feels nice to get out on a nice sunny day? Like yeah. your cells like it. It You don't uh-huh. know that your cells like it, but you can just, right. but that's just, just something good. Right. Yeah. Or so if you just eat that. junk food. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and, and then and the salad looks so good and it's because <laughs> your body craves it, but you don't. Yep, yeah. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but the, the book in question that I found, then it goes on to, the creature kind of identifying the parameter of the world, right? It, it uses its creatures. It can feel where they are in relation mm, to each yep. other. So mm-hmm. it can map out a space that it exists on, right? There's boundaries off to the side of it that make up the edge of the continent and whatever it does, it can't feel its way out there. There's, sure. It, yeah. It's, you know, it's on some kind of curve, right? The planet mm-hmm. is curved. So it's on some kind of curve and it can feel that 
there's a shorter space directly through this than there is around. Mm-hmm. So there is like a down underneath me that I can't mm-hmm. do anything. I can't exert any more force that there. It's just, it's just impact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that sense, uh, the orbit is almost kind of two dimensional, huh? Yeah. Because yeah. it's kind of just like a, yeah, it's like a paste spread throughout the people. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the first thing it becomes aware of is the cycle of night and day, right? There's a time when things yeah. are nice and then the, it's just not as, not, you know, and then, mm-hmm. oh, this is back. That's, and then, seasons, and then after a while it finally realizes, yeah. boom, there's a label. Boom, that's that, th- you know, and then it labels other stuff. And then just like a child, which is kind of cool, I thought, um, the first thing it labels is the the thing that provides it energy, right? Is the thing that powers all the plants. Yeah. Whatnot. Next thing mm-hmm. it starts to label is all of its, you know, well, it, it labels its environmental hazards first, right? Any any sensors that it's yeah. out into the ocean off the continent just floats away and dissipates, never to return again. Like it just mm-hmm. this is awareness. It's it's like a death zone around it that it can't pass through, you know. Yeah, like yeah. like, is it kind of like how our how our cells will will find the bad cells, like the cancer cells, and and try yeah. to kill them? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or how you can close your eyes and feel an object enough, and kind of still build up a three D map of it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it labels its foods and stuff. It says like, "Hey, lizards," or you know, they're not lizards in this book, but in my example, uh, but they, it says, "Hey, lizards, you can eat these. Uh, these, if you put the seeds in the ground." They'll, they'll make more of themselves. Uh, and, you know, then it's like a whole morality lesson about how it's individual. You know, it realizes that the individual components have their mm. own agendas. And it gets mad mm-hmm. because the right signals can trigger an output before they get to it. There's a cognitive mm-hmm. dissonance where yeah. it struggles to understand that it's... Let me just read you part of this book because I feel like this passage is really good at uh, yeah at, at showing. So let me just read you a little snippet of this book because it's weird that I think about all these things and then this book is talking about the exact same thing. Uh, yeah, can you say the the title and the author? Oh, it's the good book uh, by our Lord God uh, because the first thing in the book is God says, "Let there be light," and there mm-hmm. was light, and God saw the light and it was good. Hmm. Now it says stuff like God caused there to be separation between the light and darkness, but we can easily just imagine that that's him naming that there's no, there's right. times when the light is here, times when the light is not here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let there be a vaulted dome in the midst of the waters and let it cause the separation between the waters. So God made mm-hmm. the vaulted dome and he caused a separation between the waters, which were under the dome and between the waters which were over the dome, or identifying that, hey, the rain and the oceans are made of the same thing, but they're way uh, different. We got an- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And it was so. And God called the vaulted dome, or the shape that it's making on this, heaven. Mm. And there was even... Sky. And there, uh, well... Uh... This and a couple other things make me like to interpret it as its thinking mind mm-hmm. is thinking these things. 
God is thinking these things. The hypermind is thinking. The hy- yeah, the hypermind. Yeah. But it recognizes that it is distributed over this vaulted dome, and that, uh-huh. that whole in distribution, the body that it is made of, has a separate word from the thing that's thinking. Its internal world and its external mm-hmm. need a label, and it has to come mm-hmm. up with that label. Mm-hmm. Heaven. That's what it's going to call it. And no one understood what that meant in that context. So that's just where we go when we die. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's where we go when we all become one and enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, And God said, blah, blah, blah. He's naming some things. Uh, Let the dry ground appear. Uh, And God called the dry ground earth. And he called the collection of waters seas. Okay, so now he's labeling these things so he can think of them. Uh-huh. Uh, he labeled earth, and God saw that it was good. It doesn't mm-hmm. eat my people like the water does. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, let the earth produce plants that will bear seed uh, according to its kind. Well, according to its kind is naming all the different trees. And if you uh-huh. plant them, they'll grow. Now we have food. We have great food. Uh, yeah. Let there be lights in the vaulted dome of heaven to separate day from night. People think that's stars and stuff. Mm-hmm. But no, that's, he's labeling fire. His, his species mm. invented fire. And now mm. they can create little pockets on, on earth, on the vaulted dome that it's spread on that can separate you from night or give it a little pocket of day to gather around when mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. feels good to clump and cluster on these fires. Now we know we can like concentrate ourselves around the, the right. energy lives, you know, uh-huh. uh, our, our little star that we build a little fire. Yeah, and God made two lights named the greater light to rule the day, the smaller light to rule the night and the stars. So that's where he labels the stars, the vaulted dome and the lights has nothing to do with stars. That's clearly just inventing fire. Uh, and there was evening and morning, a fourth day, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly. That's like, Hey guys, you can just pull food out of here forever. Go right. <laughs> avoided them because they were dangerous, but seriously right. build nets and pull, you just haul it in by the truckload. You can't imagine how much food you can just. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. After you learn right. light, you learn that you're hungry. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay. So let us make humankind in our own image and according to our own likeness. Mm-hmm. It sounds almost kind of like uh, uh, establishing culture and tradition and, and deciding to pass it on and, and almost having a homogenous uh, culture because you're, you're teaching mankind in your likeness, which would be like your children or the younger generation. Kind yeah, of now, like- yeah, he looks back and that's good. Okay, mm. and that's the sixth day. And heaven and earth and all their array were finished. You get like all right. So humans have spent twenty thousand years avoiding the unpredictable weather patterns of Earth and the constant rise and fall of you know the natural cycle of seasons and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of evidence that way back when our original ancestors had to perform some kind of pilgrimage to make it out of their original habitat because it wasn't available anymore, and they mm-hmm. you know they stumble across like the Fertile Crescent. Or, or even if it's not that, mm-hmm. whatever is just like they finally reach a place that's just perfect for them right. to live. 
Mm-hmm. Right? It's not a constant struggle. Mm-hmm. And they've had to get real smart to survive on the move forever. Yeah, right. For sure, We've for had sure. to learn to be so adaptable that everything we encounter, we can find a way to understand it mm-hmm. and see how it fits in. How can I use this new information? Because mm-hmm. they we were weeded out the week from the strong by being able to improvise and adapt to whatever life throws at us, you know, mm-hmm. so that's what made us species, not any of our one individual traits. Right. We uh, find the fertile crescent or whichever one it is. And there's just food hopping right out of the water. There's t- delicious tree fruits that right. you've never even seen. before. Mm-hmm. It's this perfect population gets the biggest it's ever been humankind. Right. And the, finally yeah. there's enough of these little clicks and whistles being passed around He's like, wait a minute, these clicks and whistles only happen when this light is out, and now I can't feel anything, and now I'm back, and, you know, there's going to be a heartbeat to it of everyone on Earth waking up and going to sleep at the same time in a coordinated effect, and if it's big enough, it might even feel that moving around Mm, the the heaven or the firmament underneath it, you know. Uh, These are the generations of heaven and earth and so now from now on my premise is that in this my interpretation that i'm Uh going to own amusement read the bible through is that god and heaven uh are really just misunderstandings of the same thing Hmm. they're they're the body and mind of of the hyper mind if you will right Uh so we're all part of heaven in a way Mm -hmm. right Mm. And if you get your arm cut off, those cells aren't there. You're still there. Mm. Your personality's still there. You have phantom feeling in it that mm. you can remember what it would be like to be the awareness of those cells. Yep, yep. That really fits the, okay, they don't know what to call that. That's uh, when we die, we join the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. You live on in the, high, in the hive mind's collected memory. That right. doesn't sound... That doesn't sound believable to somebody who's just inventing fire. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's see if that let's see if that keeps playing out because that's kind of curious, wouldn't you agree? Hmm. Uh, let's get to the next little part where they they he so the seventh day he sits back. I do. And I do want to point out just just uh you you might be aware of this or not, but but the idea of the kingdom of heaven doesn't come around to like two thousand years later. Yeah, yes, um, I'm aware. Yeah, no, they, he, just like straight heaven at this point in the book, I'm aware. It doesn't talk about that right. until Jesus' time, New Testament. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, yeah. But society's advanced a lot, and there's actual kingdoms around in that time. Right. So now we have the word sure. to translate that. Totally. Uh, let's just see one of the big ones. Adam and Eve, original sin. Yeah. Right? It's a fun story. Uh and I've been thinking about everything in terms of these trees where everything is this accumulation of inputs. You send the message to your arm through this accumulation of outputs. Yeah. The way we map that in computers, we, in computer science, we call that a tree, right? It's mm-hmm. what's connection, it's logical yeah. connections. It's pretty easy to draw that as a symmetrical vertical tree with the roots forming mm-hmm. the inputs. Yeah. Uh-huh. Being the outputs, right? But then if you look, that process is also kind of mirrored on the next layer down of computers, which is the cell, where that came together from the same set of mm. physical inputs. Mm-hmm. But now it 
puts a split of itself. It tears itself in half and makes two separate parts. And then it's done that pattern often enough and staggered in a way that that has all the life on Earth. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that would kind of be a separate structure. And uh, and so this is Eden, right? This is the mm -hmm. Garden of Paradise sure. that we've found after uh -huh. our travels. Uh -huh. River flowed out of Eden that watered the garden, right? Okay, right. there's a physical description. Uh, from every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, mm -hmm. but from the tree of good and evil, you shall not eat. Mm -hmm. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. Mm -hmm. How is that? What's that all about? Oh, yeah. Good question. Um, it's one of those ones that I talked to you about pre-show that is kind of like a sticking point where you can come up with all the analogies in the world. Like, okay, oh, yeah. it's not God or it's just all fallible uh, life lessons by human philosophers that have been misinterpreted or whatever. Or maybe mm -hmm. it's a hypermind. The, the thing is, is that people have been doing this for 2,000 years. I've been doing it my whole life trying to see, hey, will this apply? Will these right. analogies make sense? Uh, so let me see. Does this analogy make sense? Uh, well, he says that there's a tree in the garden of there's a tree of life and a tree of knowledge. And he, he tells them they can eat whatever they want from the tree of life. Right. That process that genes form, uh -huh. but don't co-opt me. Don't you make a mental decision that didn't come from me. Right. I don't want to be cut off. Uh, and, uh -huh, and really uh -huh. when you think of, think of Adam and Eve, he, he loses a rib to make Eve mm -hmm. some collection of his parts left and made a new collection of parts mm -hmm. cell division so that, make, that makes me think like if there's sub levels of this hyper mind idea i'm playing with mm -hmm. well then if, if one city has people move out and make a new city wouldn't that be the same thing when they'd be going off to start working on their own hyper mind isn't it yeah. just like the way that life into and perpetuates itself right why else does adam have to lose a rib Right, And then the two of them, but that's fine because they all get along. Mm -hmm. God decrees. There'll be one flesh. Mm -hmm. He's just all of them still. They're still not big enough. Mm -hmm. And then they start splitting off their own cities. They have a city called Cain and a city called Abel. Ooh. But, but then mm -hmm. they learn the knowledge of good and evil. Mm -hmm. He already knew about good. He saw everything and said, this is good. Mm. But if something good that implies that something's evil mm -hmm. yeah sure Maybe if as a person gets too big and too complicated of the accumulation of all their things mm -hmm. they have an aspect of mortality or the dna code of your cells eventually has to be ripped in half to create two new cells right and the whole premise that i'm working with is is that the the, the, the same patterns apply all the way up if you just see them the right way yes mm-hmm Carrying that on, then that would Except be for like, on the quantum level, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a whole other story. Yeah, I know. Whole other story. You know, it, I'll get back to that. Okay. Uh, um, there's a way that that ties in. Uh, so let me see. So what happens though is city of Cain, city of Abel. Mankind eats from the tree of knowledge, uh -huh. right? They take some of the knowledge from that tree of mentality. 
Mm-hmm. Now they know about good and evil too. Mm. They probably realized it when Cain and Abel fought each other to the death over a woman, but over whatever resources they're fighting over, right? Uh And maybe that knowledge is actually the founding cities and the people in them watching these two other countries go to the first war Mm. in an era where humans actually have some sort of ability to think, Mm -hmm. and then the other humans have the ability to think go, oh, that's evil right there, if I ever saw it. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that fits, too. What's the next part of the Bible? Of, Gen- uh, of Genesis? What, it goes on... Apparently, what feels like 17 pages of Bartholomew beget Methuselah, and yeah. he lived 900 years, and Methuselah beget mm-hmm. Isaac Athon, and he lived for right. 170 years. And, okay, well, so now all that just makes perfect sense in this analogy. So, uh, something to think about yeah that would be a good time because i have more thoughts but that would be a good time for me to take just maybe a five minute break and then you could articulate a few questions and we could resume if you want or um no i I wouldn't mind taking a quick bathroom break or something yeah yeah same uh let's let's do that um and then i'll give you a little bit of time to see just spool out some (laughs) spool out some uh implications and see what you come up with okay i'll call you back in 10 Thanks for being part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, find us on social media at SacredMN. If you like that, you might enjoy the Loosen the Bible Belt podcast with Jay Baker and me, Kristen Becker. I know from having two partners who passed away that people love to text a dead person's cell phone. This is a thing. Have any of of the three of y'all ever texted a dead person's cell phone? No, because no, no. You, you understand they're not looking at it, right? I don't know. It's Right. I've listened to their voicemail before, but never texted them. Right, because voicemail, you, you're listening to the outgoing message so you can hear their voice, right? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, but like both my partners who passed away, I mean, hundreds of text messages. And they weren't meant for me, so I just turned the phone off because I'm like, I'm not supposed to look at this, you know? I mean, I definitely shouldn't reply. That would be terrible. So I started getting, I got like three of those messages, three or four. (laughs) And uh, I was like, all right, so people think I'm dead. So I have to go on social media. So I think what happened is because I wasn't on social media and there was like a little bit of a rumor mill, like people just, I guess, assume that I died. I guess they assumed. I don't know. Nobody will admit that they thought that. Like when I posted, hey, I'm not dead. (laughs) Nobody was like, oh, yeah, I heard. Everyone's like, oh, I didn't hear that rumor. Nobody's ever going to tell me they thought I was dead. But also, anyone could have checked it with anyone. My girlfriend, my two roommates in the queer community, like literally anyone you could have checked it with. That's like that social necrophilia. People love a dead person, you know? (laughs) It does keep them occupied for a few hours online. (laughs) 